This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Golden Edge time. Golden Knights back in Las Vegas. And so is Ben Goats here with me, Adam Hill, for the podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. And I don't think we've ever, like, you named the podcast and we have a name out there for them. But I, don't, I haven't done a good job of, like, addressing them. So I will say this one is There's No Place Like Home. And I say it like that because there's a question mark. Thank you. I put a lot of effort into uh, our titles. We are now an iTunes podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts. That sounds plug. very official. Yeah. So I need, felt I needed to step up my game. And so most of my work on these podcasts is coming up with titles. Oh, okay. That's impressive. Well, I, I'm Thank glad you. that I got it right with the there's no place like home. Because so, I have to say it like that. Solid Wizard of Oz ref, you know. Okay. That's good, good stuff. Uh, so, yes, you not only are the Golden Knights home, and we'll get into that, we are – as we are talking, it is uh, Tuesday afternoon, getting ready for the Knights' uh, home game tonight, only the second one of the year, against the Sabres. You are back, as the team is. The first thing that's very important to get out of the way, what was your what was the highlight of the road trip for you? I would have to say uh, the Buffalo Dive Bar we went to got some sick wings. That was really great. Okay. And, of course, in D.C., I uh, got to see the Washington Monument while listening to Hamilton. In my headphones. Okay. That was just a transcendent experience uh, for yours truly to hear the wonderful uh, Christopher Jackson on the official musical soundtrack singing as Washington as I saw the Washington Monument. So just real, real game changer for me right there. Now, you know, you knew when Washington was around, there was no Washington Monument. Yes. The musical actually addresses this if you okay. would listen to it. Okay. You know? well, yeah, well, I will the not. fantastic finale is all about how Alexander Hamilton's wife, Eliza, helped raise funds for the Washington Monument. She did some great stuff. You should really give a listen. Now, were you just happened to be walking around Washington listening to Hamilton, or did you like specifically play it? It was a very because... intentional choice. Very intentional choice. I walked by the Capitol. I was going through the inaugural mall. I was like, you know what soundtrack I need right now? Let's dial it back to and let's get going. Yeah, I'm not surprised. So, yes, this is uh, the Golden Golden Edge podcast. It's also a Hamilton podcast, which we have... Uh, Hamilton Appreciation sure. Podcast. Yeah. Uh, so there will always be references, although... I don't get any of them, so we'll make the references, or Ben will, and then I will just be confused by them and follow up and ask questions that I don't understand, uh, but that's how it works. Uh, maybe one day I'll see it, and then we can actually discuss Great show. things Great recommend. Uh, and, you know, we, we will stay tuned. And, listen, we'll have culture, like pop culture references, too. Like, we had uh, the eight-mile story that I, that I was very proud of uh, this week. It's not really an eight-mile story. I just made several references to it. We'll try to work pop culture references into the podcast and our stories at reviewjournal.com for you. Nice. Good that's, plug. That's a promise. Um, not a guarantee because we don't know how many of them we'll be able to do or pull off, but we'll try. Uh, but, you know, th- it's actually time to talk about the team, I suppose. Maybe. Uh, the Golden Knights, not the greatest road trip ever. Here's here's the thing. They played poorly, I thought, in the long stretches. There was a couple flashes where they were okay. But in the end, 
two and three on a five game road trip, the longest of the year, really not that bad. No, I think overall you would probably take that if you're them. It's just what sticks with me is the way they looked in some of those games. You know, the first Sabres game where they let in a bunch of grade A chances for the Sabres, the Penguins game where they let Phil Kessel get two breakaways, not one, but two breakaways on the same defensive pairing where they just lost him. And then the Capitals game where they had a lot of backdoor tap-ins open. So it was interesting because, as you said, the results ultimately aren't that bad or not disastrous for your longest road trip of the season. But there's still a lot of things that they kind of need to clean up, and it feels like they haven't really found any sort of stride yet. Yeah, I think the their play is a much bigger concern than the record because, you know, two and four, it's early in the season. It's still, you know, plenty of time to make up any points, and, you know, nobody's necessarily running away with the division right now. Uh, so there's there's time to do it, and there's five games at home, opportunity to jump right back into the mix. It's more the play that is the concern, and the defense was – very susceptible at times. The offense really didn't generate a whole lot. Uh, as we said, there's chances, but no results. So it's really not one area that you can just look at and say, oh, well, if they fix that, it'll be fine. Yeah, so let me ask you, I mean, what concerns you more? The fact that this team has scored 11 goals in six games or that they've allowed uh, 19 in six so far? I think the bigger concern, if you just look at the stats, I would say the bigger concern is the offense. You've got to generate goals. You have to score goals. Watching the games, the defense has been, it seems like it's more of a concern. Like watching it, you're like, okay, there's a lot of defensive lapses. They've got to fix that. But then when you look at the numbers, you say 11 goals is just not enough at this point. Yeah, I would agree with you on offense because I do think in, at some level their poor offense is leading to poor defense. I mean, we talked about the Pittsburgh game where they gave up two breakaways to Phil Kessel. Well, Braden McNabb after the game kind of said, hey, we can't cheat on offense against a good team like this and not expect to give up goals. So I do wonder, and you've kind of asked about this last couple of days, if some kind of like seeping frustration of they're getting all these shots and not scoring is causing them to maybe take a couple extra chances in the offensive zone and then they're giving up odd man rushes the other way. Yeah. And kind of just like a little lapse of focus when they're trying too hard on offense is leading them to get beat back down the ice on defense. Yeah, I think it's certainly... You know, it's certainly something that could be happening, and and I think there's a lot of pressing for, um, you know, trying to make something happen. They they need to figure out how to just let the offense come and let the offense happen, and not you know press. And I thought there was a much more there was much more attention uh, to the defensive end, um, in in Philadelphia, and and I guess the fact that they didn't allow a goal, um, says that. But it was really flurry that just stood on his head and fantastic. had a fantastic game. Like there's Incredible. no question. Uh, that that was the case there. Uh, but I, they just need to play their game. And I thought they did at times against Philadelphia. The, you know, again, it was a, a late goal that kind of hit a lot of the uh, the issues there. That you can, if it would have gone the other way, you would have come out of that game saying, wow, this is a disaster. As it turns out, they're the ones that scored the late goal. And it covers up a lot of the, a lot of what ails them still. Right, and they have time to fix it now, too, that they're at home. I thought Marc-Andre Fleury kind of told me something interesting yesterday in that now that they're at home, they can kind of get in some more harder, more difficult practice to actually work on things. Because after this game that we're recording before uh, Tuesday against the Sabres, they don't play again until Saturday. Yeah. So that gives them a bunch of time to have practice, kind of fix some stuff. We're on this road trip. They're either playing every other day or they had that one back-to-back with Washington and Pittsburgh. And so there's just not a lot of time to work on things. Even like the days between games, you don't want to – be on the ice for like an hour and a half because it's also unfamiliar surroundings and everything else right. like you're not settled into the routine where you can actually hey that we're going to be 
you know, we know where the rank is. We know where our house is. We can we can really get and settle and practice. Like, there's a lot of those logistical things on the road that just kind of throw you off from uh, from really getting worked on a practice. So I think you know they've had a couple of good practices here the last couple of days after a day off on Sunday, and um, well, they had the, the big practice yesterday, the, the morning skate today, where they uh, got out and worked on some things. So they've got that. They've got the game tonight. You would think there's a really good opportunity. Uh, to try to get some things done tonight against Buffalo, who they've just seen, they've scouted, they they know them. They're not that great of a team. Vegas still a huge favorite uh, on the betting boards in this game. So get that game behind you, try to get your two points, and then spend some time getting some work in the rest of the week, as you said, now that you're, you're back home and kind of settling into things. But I, I will say, this is a really, really big homestand. Yeah. It's really – there's five games in a row at home – some very winnable games, some some big showdowns as well. Tampa Bay comes in, Anaheim, who's playing well to start the season, uh, they come in. So, you know, it's a really good opportunity. But at the end of it, if you haven't had success on it, now that's when you start to say, all right, now you're 11 games into the season. Still a long way to go, but, you know, th- it's time. And so uh, there, a lot has to be done as far as, you know, making some progress on this homestand. Yeah, this is their longest homestand of the season. So while it's early, I mean, this is where you kind of need to build up points in these yeah. long homestands. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can do that. I'm also interested to see if this power play is ever going to wake up, because I believe it's now 0 of 16 to start the season, which is pretty crazy. They're one of three teams in the NHL without a power play goal. And they've mixed and matched those units all over the place, yeah. it seems like. Uh, they're going to have a new one tonight because Brad Hunt is making a season debut, so he's going to be the defenseman on the power play with the first line and Max Pacioretty. So they're kind of trying anything they can to wake up that power play, which would help, as we've mentioned before, that offense, which is struggling to score goals, and thus, at least in my opinion, is leading to some bad defensive breakdowns yeah. the other way. It, it's it's, a thing, it's something that they were successful on last year, and um, everybody thought going into this year is going to have a, there's going to be a ton of success. And we'll we'll kind of you know morph into the the next stuff we want to talk about here. But you know, talking to Max Pacioretty today. He's a guy who's always been on power play units, certainly in Montreal throughout his career, and now uh, as part of the power play unit here. Um, he said a couple of things. First of all, he did say they are really thinking about it a lot. It's like you don't want to. You just want to go out and play your game. But it is it is getting in their mind of we got to score a goal at some point in the power play. And I think they're thinking about it a lot, and it's leading to a lot of pressure on themselves, trying to trying to do too much, maybe make an extra pass that you wouldn't ordinarily make. And, and it's, it's creating – a lot of stress on the power play unit to not do it. But he also said, we're mixing and matching a lot of different guys and there's just no rhythm because every time you start to feel a rhythm with somebody, now they're hurt. And now somebody else is hurt and you switch the lines around. And he he was very careful to say, hey, I'm not making excuses on this. Like, this is not an excuse. This is just a reason. Like, we're trying – power play is so much about chemistry and knowing where your, where your guy is. And if you're mixing and matching the lineups all the time and not by choice – by, hey, this guy's not here, now somebody's got to cover your spot, that really impacts the ability to get into a flow. Right, for sure. And they've, yeah, mixed and matched. I mean, not just for injury, too, though. I mean, they moved different guys in and out of that first point. They started the year with Colin Miller on the first unit, then they bumped him down to the second one and put Shea Theodore on the first unit. Now, uh, like I said, as Gallant said this morning, I think they're going to try Hunt with that first power play unit. So I guess that means you move Shea Theodore back to the second unit. Maybe he and Miller play together as defenseman on that second unit, because I don't know how many forwards you want to roll out in that second unit because it's getting thin real early on the power play there. But, yeah, it is kind of interesting that they've just mixed and matched and tinkered with it so much, and I think that 
is one reason why it gets in your head is that it hasn't been working. And then the coaches are saying, yeah, it's not working. So we're going to mess with things. And then you feel kind of, I guess, pressure to fix it once tinkering starts happening. So a lot of, a lot of pressure on that power play unit. We'll see if they're able to break out of it and, you know, make something happen. You know, you feel like, you know, once one comes a little bit of pressure might be lifted off a little bit and they might start to, perform a little bit better but there, there I saw a note from you there's there's two other teams that haven't scored in the power play yet so I think you just don't want to be the last one yeah you don't want to be the uh, 31 out of 31 yes yes <laughs> that's that's the one you're trying to avoid so uh for the golden Knights sake you hope uh that they pick that up soon well we kind of hinted at it there but let's get into the fact that there's just a lot of guys that aren't there there's just a lot of guys that aren't you know out on the ice and it was five yesterday at practice yeah they had they had injury issues last year, almost all the goaltender, and somehow they were able to get through. Uh, but right now, that you're mixing and matching a lot of different lines and a lot of different combinations because there's just some guys that aren't there. Alex Tuck is a big one. He is a he could definitely help the power play. He could definitely help uh, bolster you know those top lines and you know try to um, you know whether he fits in on second or third line. He can definitely help out uh, their their offensive productivity there. Uh, but he's just not been around. But he seems to be getting close. Some kind of uh, out in the powder blue jersey yesterday, kind of uh, skating around a little bit. So getting close. They're very vague on injuries all the time, but we think that he's at least progressing in the right direction. Yeah, they said Galan said he won't play in the next couple games, but they'll reevaluate him while still on this homestand. So that at least provides some level of intrigue of whether he'll show up maybe toward the tail end of this homestand. He was out there skating by himself. It looked like just kind of getting his legs back under him yesterday. He and uh, Derek England, who we'll can talk about next, uh, were both out there today after practice. I saw kind of getting some individual work in and just kind of getting the feel of the ice back. And we'll see what that kind of means for both of them. Derek England f- looked like when he got hurt, it might be an extended issue. Looked like he kind of reacted um, like it was going to be more severe. But some good news, it seems like on him that he's day-to-day, although – we know in Golden Nightland, day to day could turn to week to week or month to month at any moment. Easily, yeah. Uh, anything, nothing means anything really in the in the world of injuries. But uh, seems like they got favorable news on England. Yeah, Gulan seemed to be happy with the report they received back on England. So he's not playing tonight against Buffalo, as you mentioned. Brad Hunt's going in for him, but they said he's day to day after today. So it seems like he's in a good spot where they won't miss him for a large amount of games. Aren't we all though? Aren't we all day to day? That's what I always tell myself in the morning, yes. uh, for sure. Uh, the uh, the big one, and and I think first of all the the impact is big, but I think it's very interesting that we just kind of referenced there that the Golden Knights never really say anything about injury. It's he's day to day. Hopefully he's back in a couple of days, or he's week to week. You know, every once in a while you just hear, yeah, we're, you know, we're evaluating and we're figuring it out. Yesterday. Uh, Gerard Galan is asked about Paul Stassi. He's like, yeah, probably two months. Like, wh- where did that come from? It's very casual. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was just so stunning to actually hear like a time frame from the Golden Knights. Yeah, well, it's great because at first they're just like, oh, we'll reevaluate him when we get back from our road trip because he got hurt in the game against Buffalo. Uh, Jack Eichel crashed into his leg, kind of going for a loose puck. So not like a dirty hit by Eichel, but just kind of an unfortunate hit if you're Paul Stasny. And at first it was like, yeah, we'll just reevaluate him. He's not going to play, you know. And then we get back, and they do reevaluate him, and all of a sudden it's a huge timetable for their biggest free agent signing of the offseason that he's not going to play again until potentially December, and he still doesn't have a point for them yet in the first three games he skated. So we might not get a point for them until December, and this is a guy you 
gave a three-year, $19.5 million contract to. Yeah, and a guy who, as we mentioned, I mean, there was it was kind of set. He was going to be the second-line center, uh, you know, kind of fill in for that role from, you know, a, a team that last year had a very productive second line, a very popular second line, but one that gave up a ton of goals. And he was going to be a guy who helped out not only set the table offensively, but anchor that line defensively and try to, you know, make sure that they're more of a two-way line. And now he's gone and Tuck's not there. There's just a whole lot of uh, reshuffling and figuring of things out. And I think the one of the bigger things, because Stassi being out is a huge blow. It's going to affect them for, you know, the next couple of months. But I think the other issue that it has is what you want is to, I mean, certainly you just want to make the playoffs. That's the goal. You want to win the division and everything else. But get into the playoffs and then be ready to go. And this really sets back the timetable of how how much chemistry they can build and how comfortable they can feel with each other. Because you would think, you everybody thought kind of a couple weeks into the season, they're going to start to figure it out, start to, you know, really blend as a team. But it's just that timetable just keeps getting pushed back because nobody's there and nobody's playing together. Right. And as we mentioned, kind of with the power play, it's the same with just their lines. If they've been shuffling those forward lines a bunch, I mean, they made a Thomas Hika call up to in Pittsburgh and he's been playing with them. And so now he's in the lineup and then they've been shuffling. Okay, we got Cody Eakin back on this road trip. He's in the lineup and we're shuffling guys around because of that. I mean, they just haven't had kind of a stable four lines to roll out all year because there's been movement of like, okay, this game will play Tomas Nosek in the second line. Well, this one will put Hika on the second line, Nosek back to the third. And they kind of have messed with, especially those second and third lines. The first and the fourth have stayed pretty much the same, but there have been no consistency those kind of middle two. When coming into the year, we were all talking about the second line of they went out, this is their big offseason need, and they really addressed it by getting Stasny, by trading for Max Pacioretty, and they're going to have two lines that we thought that they're going to roll out and be really strong. And now, like I said, that second line is kind of a hodgepodge because they've just had circumstances that have dictated that they have to mix things up a bunch. Yeah, so we, we will see, you know, in a couple months, Stasny get back, and they hope and try to, you know, rebuild uh, whatever they make of the second line at that time because it may be different. There may be other guys that are playing well and uh, see how they move guys around. Maybe Pacioretty finds guys that he, even though him and Stastny are close and they're good friends, you know, everybody just assumed it was going to work with them on the same line chemistry-wise. Maybe there's other guys that Pacioretty fi- figures out and feels comfortable with at that time and they move things around then. We'll, uh, we'll stay tuned for that and see how that all works out. Uh, but we did mention the homestands coming up. Five games, a couple of opponents that, you know, aren't aren't powerhouses. And then you've got teams like Tampa Bay coming in and, you know, Anaheim, who's been playing really well, as we said. Uh, so they've got to be looking. At, I know the Golden Knights always talk about one game at a time. It's just about today. But you do look at, at groups like this, just like we do and just like fans do. You look at it and say, it's a five-game homestand. So what, can, what, what do you expect on the five-game homestand? I always look at... Road trips as like you want about half the points of how many games you play. So, you know, I would think or half the points that are available. So like, you know, five five game road trip, I was like, all right, if they can get five points out of it, it'd be really good. They got four. It was close, not not too mm-hmm. far away. I'm gonna set a number six and a half. They need at least six and a half points on this trip. So seven. If it's under six and a half, I'd say it's somewhat disappointing. That's my number for the for the homestand, six and a half points. I think that sounds about right. Because as you mentioned, they got some teams that, you know, you're not expecting to be that strong. They got Buffalo. They got Vancouver, who I think Vancouver is going to have a real, yeah. real tough year up there. And they got Ottawa, who, of course, traded Eric Carlson. And they're yeah. also going to have a, 
I'm sure a fun year for all those yeah. people up north. So those are uh, three games that I think you should count on getting two points, or at least you should believe entering those games that you can yeah. get two points. And then the Lightning game and Anaheim game are you know, probably toss-ups because, as you said, both those teams are playing well. The Lightning are my pick to win the Stanley Cup this year. You read uh, the review yeah. journal in the preseason. And the Ducks, I, I already think, forgot who I had. I think I picked Nashville. I'm not sure, though. I, I believe could be that. totally wrong. Um, but uh, the Anaheim, as you mentioned, has been playing well. So if they can at least get to overtime with one of those two teams or win one of those games, they reach your number, and I think that's a pretty successful homestand for them. Did you just call them the Anaheim? Maybe. I think you did. <laughs> the Anaheim, I like it. I think that's what they should be called. Uh, so Still yeah, jet lag from the road trip. Th- th- that's fair. So it was a it was a crazy trip for sure. Uh, so that's what you're looking for in the homestand. I I think uh, outside of just the results, I think it's certainly about getting things right, getting some things figured out, performing better, you know, creating more chances, scoring more goals, all that stuff. I look for William Carlson to finally score a goal. That's I mean that's certainly something to look for. And um, he had you know I talked I got to talk to him a little bit yesterday, and we're gonna try to play this for you. Uh, but you know, William Carlson is, he admitted he's a little frustrated. He hasn't scored yet. And, and I think one of the things about Carlson and the fact that he hasn't scored, you know, four assists, he, he thinks that he's generating good chances. He thinks the goals are going to come last year. He didn't score for the first six games either. So, uh, Jonathan Marcheseau told me, yeah, maybe it's just this thing. Maybe he doesn't score for the first six games and then, uh, the goals start to come, but the, they're certainly has to be some level in his mind of really pressing. He's playing on a one-year deal. Like, he basically signed a audition contract of if he does what he did last year, he's going to be one of the highest-paid players in the league. Can he keep that up, though? That's the big question. And now if you have that one-year deal, now now you've got to do it. Now like now, now you've got to go uh, try to get yourself that big contract, and that's got to be in his mind, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, you know, you start – Maybe overthinking it a little bit, but he hopes that once one goal comes, they will all start coming afterwards. And he even has a theory about that. You'll hear it. As I got to talk to William Carlson yesterday after practice, after returning home uh, from that long road trip, you'll hear maybe another another voice in there as well. Somebody's trying to jump in on my questions, but uh, let's hear what William Carlson had to say about his lack of goals so far this season. How do you feel like uh, how do you feel like the offense is playing right now, especially your line? How do you think you guys are doing? Um, we didn't get a whole lot against Philly, I'd say. Um, but the games before that, I think we've uh, created some chances. Um, the execution hasn't really been there though, uh, to bear there. But you know, as long as you're creating the chances, I think uh, you're going the right way. Is that what you guys are kind of talking about? Like just keep just keep doing what you're doing, generate chances, and, and eventually they're going to go in. Is it kind of bad luck that's working against you? Um, I wouldn't say bad luck. Um, I don't want to blame anything on bad luck, you know. And uh, it's just it's just not there right now. Um, and uh, I mean, we just gotta keep working hard. And I think eventually, if we keep creating the chances, we're gonna get it. Get some goals. You uh, you personally have four assists already. You've been you've had some chances. You just haven't scored a goal. Is it getting? Is it kind of on your mind? Is it? Are you thinking about it a lot that you haven't scored yet? It's a little frustrating, yeah, for sure. But uh, you know, keep saying this, creating chances. But I've been told ever since I was a kid, as long as you're creating chances, you're doing something good. So um, 
try not to uh, let that keep me down too much. And, uh, just uh, hope they get my first soon. You've been told your whole your whole life that as long as you're generating chances, you know, you're, you're doing something well. Does that take the pressure off of you a little bit, knowing that you don't really have to press, that, you're, that the goals are going to come? Yeah, I'd be more ver worried if um, if we didn't create anything, right? Um, that's when you need to worry, and, and I don't have that worry uh, for now because I think we're uh, I think we're playing playing some pretty good hockey. So uh, even though we haven't scored a, a whole lot, you feel like uh, when one comes, maybe like a lot will come after that. I hope so. That'd be nice. Uh, in Sweden, we call it the ketchup effect. Yeah, when you just bank the bottle and then everything pours out, you know, once you got it out. So hopefully we can uh, yeah, get some ketchup effect. So the ketchup effect, man. I like it. Have I'm you, here for it. Have you heard of the ketchup effect? Never before? heard of it. I've played hockey for a long, long time growing up and I never called it the ketchup effect. He said it's a thing they say in Sweden. Uh, so I didn't. I never even knew they used ketchup in Sweden. I thought that was a very American thing. I, don't, I have no idea. I'm very, uh, I'm very, I'm very limited in my knowledge of international food. Uh, but so you know, he's saying, "Hey, you pound the bottle. You keep pounding it. Eventually, some starts to trickle out, and then that happens." I've always learned you don't pound the bottle. You actually get a little knife and kind of scoop a little bit out, and then that's how you make it happen. Sometimes I pound. Sometimes I knife. It really depends on the bottle. I don't know what kind of bottle he's dealing with here, but it's, it's pretty stuck so far. I would think go squeeze bottle. Then the goals all just fly out. I mean, that's the that's the, one of the best inventions of the modern era, the plastic squeeze bottle rather than the glass pounding bottle. What about the like the ketchup and mustard in one in one container? Absolutely not. No, that's ludicrous. Good. Uh, I don't. I think we're missing the point on what he meant about the ketchup effect. Maybe uh, I don't think he's actually talking about ketchup. Uh, but yeah, he you know he he just thinks, hey, one comes, a whole bunch come after that, so it makes some sense. I'm sure he hopes that's the case, uh, that you start to score goals in bunches. But you know, we shall see. And maybe by the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to it after the game, maybe he's already scored three goals against Buffalo, and you know things happen that way. But there's got to be a little bit of concern that he hasn't got on the scoreboard yet. I'm sure, but I do think overall, Key's played well. I mean, that first line has not been the problem. Uh, Mark Schultz has four goals. Carlson does have four assists already. Yeah. He's a plus three, I believe, defensively and plus minus. He has still kind of kept up that two-way game that made him one of the best players in the NHL and plus minus last year. Yeah. So he hasn't you know, sacrificed kind of those other areas of his game just to focus on scoring. And there have been a couple chances where you watch the game and you're like, well, that just would have gone in for him last year. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll see. I mean, I think the refrain from a lot of those guys, I mean, Riley Smith said it about three different times on the road trip, like, well, we're playing well, goals will come. And we'll kind of see, because there is that kind of psychological aspect of, as you mentioned, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing, I think, to like really believe that deep down and then act like it, because I think there's been times they haven't acted like they thought the goals will come, that they need to do something extra to force that puck into the net. I thought it was interesting that, he uh, he said he was frustrated. Uh, Gallant said he doesn't think he's frustrated, and Marsha so said he doesn't think he's frustrated. So maybe you're just you don't want to say that you know you don't want to speak for somebody else. But Carlson himself said, "Yeah, of course I'm frustrated. I want to score goals, and I want my money." That is true, but he's not going to say that. We can say that looking from the outside because it's obvious that like the, it is a business, and he is auditioning for a paycheck. Uh, so we'll see if he's a. Uh, He's able to break through and kind of earn that next contract uh, next season by putting up some goals. But as you said, like there's a lot more that he does, and you know hockey people know that. But it's just it's a negotiating thing. He's going to go in there, and even if he does everything else 
really well and he's a superstar player in everything but actual goals scored, they're going to go into negotiation and be like, yeah, he only scored 22 goals this year, man. Not going to happen. So you're, you're going to have to get the stats there to avoid that kind of a conversation in the offseason. But that will do it for us. We will get out of here. We'll be out at the game tonight, of course. Find everything that you need to know about the Golden Knights at ReviewJournal.com. Videos. You can even see us talking about the games instead of just listening to us. Read our work as well as Dave Shane up at ReviewJournal.com. Plus, you can watch our mailbags, which are very fun, Ben. So great. Very fun. And we're, uh, we do those lives. You can check those out up at Facebook as well. But for Ben Goats, Adam Hill, Dave Shane, who's uh, around sometimes, and we'll uh, talk to him soon, and our esteemed producer, Larry Mir, we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.